welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And again, we are one <laughs> compadre short. The voice you do not hear is Jamie. Uh, he is a little bit under the weather this week, so hopefully uh, he will make a speedy recovery. And uh, for my sake, this trend does not continue. <laughs> Yes, let, let's hope. It was me the last time, Jamie this time, so Dwayne, uh-oh, last man standing, dude. <laughs> well, so it's time to, uh, time to up the vitamin C, I believe. <laughs> oh, well, Sam, what are we reviewing this week? All right, so uh, Jamie kind of previewed this last week as a, a strange off-the-wall idea that I had, okay? So since this is November... I thought it'd be a great time to kind of bring in a no, not that one kind of movie. So our November movie that we're discussing is The Avengers. But no, not that one. We're going to be looking at 1998's um, kitschy spy whatever with uh, Ray Fiennes and Uma Thurman. Uh, doing their their best version of the '60s television show, so I'm really interested to see where uh, where my my fellow nerd here is going to go on this. Dwayne, had you seen this movie before? I had not seen this movie before, and it's one of those movies that had always kind of been there in in the background. You always kind of see it here or there, and. Yeah, I, everyone knows the name of the Avengers even before you know the the Marvel takeover of the cinematic universes here. Um, but you know the Avengers were always a thing. You know Iron Man, uh, and I knew that the Avengers had multiple characters rotating in and out. So when I see Ray Fine standing there in the suit and Uma Thurman in the in the leather cat suit, you know Black Widowish <laughs> looking, I'm like, who are they in the universe? <laughs> but the movie had never landed on a screen uh, in front of me until um, the last couple weeks. And uh, I was not what you would expect in a lot of ways. I think uh, yep. there's 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 quite a bit going on here. And uh, I, I was unaware of the 60s spy show uh, that, that was taken from. But uh, this was uh, quite the ride. Mm-hmm. Quite the ride, you know. It, it, and I only hate that Jamie is not here because I really would love to get his opinions I on this. Really, one. yeah. So much as I was wanting your your views of all the shenanigans in in the bullet train, um, right? I was very interesting Jamie's take on this because I know his view on the, you know, kind of. I won't say quite spoofish, but kind of, you know, B side of the, you know, the Flash Gordon, Battlestar Galactic types, you know, shows that come out. And this really feels a lot like that. Um, oh, yeah. Not to get into our thoughts and grades uh, early on. But yeah, this is a different kind of experience, uh, I think, than we were ready for in 1998. <laughs> yeah. So before we get into those opening thoughts and grades, Sam, I would like to keep it 100. It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. 100. All right. 
So I'm leading off in this uh, tennis match of a uh, of a recording tonight. So uh, I guess you know I'm going to come out with guns blazing. All right. This week's Keeping It 100 is the newest addition to the MCU, the Marvels. Despite all the hate this movie is getting from internet trolls, despite the poor showing at the box office, this is a fun movie. The trio of Brie Larson, Tiana Paris, and Amon Vellani set such a perfect home for this movie. It's a roller coaster. It's filled with so many plot threads between Captain Marvel and in-game continuity. You know, and as we discussed when we reviewed Disney Plus's Ms. Marvel, it's Kamala's family that once again really stands out in this film. Um, it's probably the best Captain Marvel that Larson's brought us. Sure, it's not a perfect movie. I'll freely admit that. Very few are. but And there are things that don't work so well. But this is a nice entry to the greater MCU. So for all those casting shade on Lashana Lynch's costume in the post credits, go read a comic book. I go to the movies to have a good time, and the Marvels brought that. And that's why my Keep It 100 this week is the Marvels. Nice, nice. I forgot that was coming out this week. Yeah, well, may... considering it had like a $45 million opening weekend, oh, gosh, I think I everybody forgot, forgot about it. Yeah, I think everybody forgot about it. So. Wow. Well, that's that's kind of sad. I was really, you know, hoping it would perform a, a, a better than that. Um, and, you know, I know we've talked about like all of these TV shows and you have to have almost a background, you know, for these characters, even Monica Rambeau coming in from the WandaVision, uh, you mm -hmm. know, Kamala Khan coming in from uh, Miss Marvel, but you know, really her family stole the show. Oh yeah. On, on Miss Marvel. And, and I would love to see them on the big screen. Uh, and, they, and they are totally that eighties and nineties, you know, sitcom family. Uh, oh, just yeah. all of the dysfunction, all of the love, all of the getting it right, you know, you know they, <laughs> they, they really brought that. In, and that's probably my favorite part of, of that, as lovable as Amon Vellani is, as Miss Marvel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, Sam, I have a new thing as well. And it's, it's a new addition to a series as well, but not the one we've been waiting for. Patrick Rothfuss so we've, has had us waiting for the Doors of Stone since at least 2011. Um, pulling a George R. R. Martin not got there yet, but he's released two short stories since then um, in in book form, multiple in like short story collections. Uh, this one is taken from a short Durr story, The Lightning Tree, and he's expanded upon it. The Narrow Road Between Desires. This is book kind of 2.6 of the King Killer Chronicles that uh, uh, started with uh, the name of the wind uh, continued with the wise man's fear. But this takes Bast, a, a beloved fae character from the uh, novels, and really Patrick Rothfuss's storytelling style, not a lot happens in his books. But we learn so much of the lore and the history of uh, the way magic works, the way that uh, characters and, and different species have rules and cultures work together uh, in his stories. And this, and this is one of those. It's kind of best uh, going around town, uh, interacting with some kids, interacting with Kvothe, who's the main character of those stories, and just letting us in on a little bit more of that lore. 
and uh, and expanding that world just a little bit more. So until uh, the Doors of Stone hits bookstores or Audible, we are going to hopefully have to um, do with the narrow road between desires. So check that out. All right. You know, that, that's not a, not a series I'm, I'm uh, familiar with. So that sounds pretty cool. You know, I'm always up for, you know, kind of, you know, Tolkien, Martin kind of fantasy, you know, type of very that, much, that world. Yeah, very much in those lines, but it's not the medieval. It's his world is more of almost a Renaissance kind of okay. era. Um, you know, you, you have horses, you have swords, you have fae creatures, you have monsters, but they're not the central part of the story. It's more like a renaissance, and his take on magic is very, very interesting. Uh, it's very mechanical, very um, – um, one of the characters in the book talks about it as, as like money changing. Energy mm-hmm. is not created or destroyed, but it's transferred. So there has to be a, a, a transference there. Very, very interesting takes on, uh, on things. Hmm. So, so Shakespeare writes fantasy. So uh, much ado know, about nothing. Midsummer Night's Dream kind of feel. A, a, a bit, a bit. Yeah, okay. yeah, kind of like that. And uh, and it also has a little bit of uh, you know, like a gunslingerish uh, okay. telling. You know, where you have a character looking back on his life and telling the stories. But some stuff's happening concurrently too. So, uh, cool. it's cool. it's a really interesting take on a story. But uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, Pretty pretty neat series so far, but uh, yeah, we're we're all waiting for that Doors of Stone. <laughs> cool. Well, since we're all waiting for something, I'm waiting to get into these thoughts and grades on this movie because I'm <laughs> really interested to hear what my what my uh, Anglophile friend here has to say uh, <laughs> about this because um, British comedy, British TV, and especially your '60s British stuff is its own thing. So much. Um, it's almost like I want to give this movie two grades. One for the people who knows what it is, and one for everyone else. So I think I'm going to do that, Sam. I think I'm going to okay. leave off with, you know, if if you're, uh, you know, in the British spy TV, the British uh, thing there, I'm going to give it a C plus. It's okay. kind of cool. It's all right. It's it's a little bit. It's not quite above average, but it's it's getting there. For everyone else, I'm giving it a straight D. You don't have to watch <laughs> this thing. <laughs> you know, um, it's it is what it is. Um, okay. The uh, the uh, I don't think that the American market quite knew what to do with it. Yeah. How yeah. to receive it? I don't think. Uh, that, that even I understood what I was getting until probably two, you know, maybe not quite two thirds, maybe um, halfway through the movie. It's like, oh, okay, this is what this is, <laughs> you know, and because it starts off, you know, very interesting um, ways and, and the character developments are just very odd and you have that british formality the british stiffness uh, with a lot of that um you know is this is an adaption from a 1960s show uh, starring patrick mcnee who, who is in this uh, yes, yes love him in a lot of his roles but there are probably better shows that could have been adapted uh you know from that area you know like i would love to see an adaption of uh, you know a good adaption of man from uncle or something right uh, along those lines but you know this movie is a uh, very uh in that late 90s vein, it's really stylish 
Mm-hmm. Kind of a lot of tongue in cheek, but it just doesn't stick that landing for me. So, gotcha. We're going with the C plus and a D. All right. Well, you know, I, I I agree with so much of what you said. You know, the Avengers is another one of those examples, and and I agree with you when you talked about the stylish nature of these '90s types of movies. Because they meet and kind of match up with that stylish natures of 60s television. You know, when you really get into color television and things were all bright and and this, right? Mm. So, you know, this movie is that idea. Let's touch back on this this genre television. And we see these examples constantly. In 97, you also have Val Kilmer playing The Saint. Uh, Eddie Murphy's I Spy in 2002. You know, Guy Ritchie's Man from Uncle, like you mentioned, in 2015. You know, and even the Mission Impossible films all come from that same vein, right? Sam, you're forgetting one. Oh, the Wild, Wild West. Oh, yes, there you go. For a reason. Yes. Well, you know, <laughs> come on. All right. <laughs> but, you know, what it does, and I think what this movie does well, is it tries to capture that same feeling, that the 60s television show had but i agree with you modern audiences even in the 90s were not ready for this uh, i don't think they get the nature of who steed and peel were uh and the over-the-top nature of these shows you know when you go back and you look at these 60s television shows they're over the top if you watch doctor who if you especially the british stuff you know, it, it, it's it, it's strange and structured, but it's over the top also, you know. So for all the things it gets right, there's some things that just don't land with the times. And they still, and even more, don't land today <laughs> in this era. So I'm going to C plus also. So my grade is actually C plus. <laughs> so, so C plus, you said, for the people who get it. I get it, and I'm going to see plus also. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I was on uh, glad I was on the mark there. That uh, yeah, that's great. But you know, it's it's like the Batman. You know, mm-hmm. you have Batman '66, and that show is its own thing. Oh yeah, Bat- Batman and Robin in pajamas, running around. You know, and my favorite one of my favorite scenes from that is you know when they have the bomb on the dog. <laughs> And you know what I'm talking about? He's trying to dispose of it. And he goes around the corner and there's nuns singing. And he comes around the corner and there's some ducks. He can't throw it in. And he goes around and he's trying to protect everyone, you know, at the risk of himself blowing up, you know, trying to dispose of this bomb. And, you know, in the character, you know, the, the villains are, are even kind of cheeky, like, oh, ha, 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 you know, we're not really going to hurt you, but here's right. this danger. And it's so tongue in cheek and so um, just, yeah, it's just so cheeky i guess uh is is, and, is the best word and, and you forgot the line from the bomb sequence some days you just can't get rid of a bomb <laughs> so, i mean yeah it's it's it just you know that's just a problem you have sometimes um, but, and i agree with you that's that's this movie it's the same type of thing it's trying to capture that moment in history but it just doesn't translate i yeah, don't think right so i mean how different would batman 89 have been if they would have translated that as literally as they did this, yeah, you know, uh, you know, there's some there's some cheeky, you know, tongue in cheek. There's some some odd things in Batman '89, and and it it is a Tim Burton film, you know, that called back to that. 
but you know it was a lot different than than the 66 thing yeah yeah all right well sam you ready to break out some fans let's do this graphically novel three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week listen as the brothers fugit discuss classic and not so classic graphic novels subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice graphically novel three brothers who like each other but love comics all right so when i think about what i like about the avengers you know i love the wit and the fast-paced dialogue between john steed and emma peel that works that is something that they brought from the 60s show to this movie that still works you know ray fines and uma thurman just works so well in that you know there is a british style of humor to it um and and, and they're back and forth it's played for innuendo it's verbal jabs you know you can maybe overlook some of the more you know, kind of uh, missteps through a modern lens, mm-hmm. but I think you can see the charm in the characters. Yeah. You know, like you said, Patrick uh, McNee was Steed, D- Dame Diana Rigg was, was Emma Peel, you know, and, and just, you know, I love it, you know, and like you said, McNee was even in this movie as Invisible Jones. Invisible Jones. <laughs> So I, I I loved those aspects, just that back and forth wit, dug it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it really uh, the the dialogue was so fast and witty and smart. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you have these great actors. I mean, from Fines to Thurman, Broadbent, uh, Fiona Shaw. I mean, all the way down the line. You have Sean Connery in here. I mean chewing up the scenery but not quite knowing what he's doing you know but not to get to a fan here you know this movie is to me you know one of my fans is it's so much of, of an anglophile heaven i put on my note uh, as to <laughs> the british uh, culture that that odd standoff politeness mm-hmm. you know the, the standoffishness of politeness uh, the the tea time in the car, the you know the the fencing up and down the stairs, the uh, you know the parliament, all of the ministries, communications, the 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 kind of you know proto MI six mm-hmm. you know things, and you you have so much of that even you know Bond shading of spy in here. You know I, I would love to see some more gadgets and things, but yeah, um, yeah that that was a lot of mine. You know just all of the interactions all of the calls to the culture that uh, that this film truly you know does love yeah yeah i i, I want one of those tea dispensers in my car <laughs> <laughs> i milk really or, milk or lemon <laughs> <laughs> just a twist just a twist <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's go get a couple pans for this thing All right, and this this um you know, uh, pan clattering down the stairs uh, thing of a movie here, <laughs> you know, and and I know we've mentioned it before, you know, the dialogue and the actors was so smart. They interacted so well together, 
but the stiffness, the woodenness of the, uh, I, I don't know if it's a cultural choice that they made or a director choice or what, but they were just so wooden that they never truly made that connection to me. It was almost like watching an episode of Thunderbirds. They were mm-hmm. so stiff um, and, and formal, you know. So, yeah, that's that's my biggest pan. And I've, right. I've got a small one, but uh, we, we might can uh, discuss if uh, – I'll, I'll let you go and see if you take it. All right. You know, my pan hurts. My pan hurts because <laughs> it is a rare occasion that I will besmirch the name of the greatest 007. But Sean Connery just did not get this movie. I know he's going for the over-the-top, unhinged, uber-villain. So I know overacting is part of it. But it just crossed into farcical to the point that him and the big weather machine, I'm just like, okay, no, 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 please. <laughs> so. Yeah, but, you know, and that's and that's – a thing too, you know, he was going so over the top. It didn't, you know, it, it was almost like a love and thunder situation. You know, you have Christian oh, yeah. Bale making one movie, you know, uh, Taika Waititi <laughs> making another movie, uh, Russell Crowe doing whatever he's doing. Um, and then H- Hemsworth with his Loki tattoo on, on the small of his back. So and right they're right. all, yeah, they're all great actors, you know, but it just doesn't gel together. Yeah. Yeah. They're all doing their own thing, but it does not gel together, you know, and, and I guess that's part of, it, you know, how was, how was winter involved in this? What well, right. it, it was, it, it almost felt kind of glued on. Yeah. You know, and there was so much not wrapped up with that. When you think about it, okay, when you think about villains in British spy movies, I mean, Blofeld is not over the top. He is just as calm and calculating as Bond. He's the Moriarty to the Sherlock. Taking Ray Fiennes and Uma Thurman's characters and pitting them against Sean Connery, who had dialed it up to 11, and they're down here kind of playing this, you know, like you said, this 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 verbal jousting. It just didn't fit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it really didn't. And, I mean, and you had Uma Thurman playing two roles. Oh, yes. You know, and – I don't know what the deal with the other peel yeah. was. Yeah. Well, she, well, she was, and they never told us either. So no, they, they never, never told us. Yeah, that, that was right. one of those little plot threads that didn't get yeah. wrapped up that really bothered me about this movie that brought that grade down. All I know is basically you had, you know, Mrs. Peel and you had Black Widow. Yeah, that, that, yeah. that's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> So right. so maybe she was from the red room. I don't know. <laughs> maybe uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe she got lost. I don't know. <laughs> So here we go. Well, Sam, I think uh, our friend Jamie has done something brilliant here with these awards and uh uh, we're we're going to continue this on, uh, and I know we're, we've talked about workshopping and, and doing some things with it. So uh, 
I would like for you to lead off with the um, the uh, Val Kilmer disappearing into Doc Holliday Best Performance Award. All right. I just want to say, so I was not on this last episode when you all debuted these, <laughs> and I got such a kick out of this. So when we're talking about, you know, this award, Val Kilmer disappears into Doc Holliday. All right. I'm going with Ray Fiennes. He's my choice for this. You know, he becomes John Seed. And once again, if you look at Patrick McNeese, John Seed in the 60s show, he's calm, he's cool, he's eloquently dressed at all times, waistcoat and all, right? Mm-hmm. And he ble- brings that swagger. Ray Fines brings that swagger to Steed. He works well with Thurman's Mrs. Peel. You know, basically, we, and when you think about it, Fines has such a range of roles when you look at, at his IMDb. I mean, mm-hmm. He he was Voldemort, and 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 now here we have also John Steed, two very very different characters. I just think he was a perfect choice for this. Oh yeah, he's he's brilliant. I love Ray Fiennes in everything I've seen him uh, in. You know, from Voldemort to uh, even his turn as Steed here. But uh, one of my personal favorites is uh, Francis Dollarhide, Red Dragon. Mm-hmm. Now, you know he he just completely absorbs that. He's so menacing. Beside his British genteelness here, you know. Yes. Um, I'm I'm going to go uh, with uh, the uh, the other half of that coin. Uh-huh. I'm going to go with Uma Thurman's Mrs. Peel and the other Mrs. Peel. Um, you know, she's pulling double duty in this movie, and even though the characters look identical, th- there is a range there. You know, even in the same movie, she is acting against top from the prim British scientist to the, you know, uh, black widowish assassin. Um, so yeah, she, she done a great job with that. I feel like, so we're, we'll, we'll, we'll go with uh, both of those lead characters that you see there. I like that. I like that. You know, and she's another one that has such range. I mean, you look at the movies, I mean, you look at her poison Ivy talking about the Batman series, right? You look at her poison Ivy compared to Mrs. Peel. Or you look at her in, um, but John Travolta, my mind just dropped. Basically. Oh, uh, it's been, it's been a long fiction. day. Pulp Fiction. You look yeah. at her in Pulp Fiction, you know, d- doing the Batusi, you know, on and, and on the, the dance floor, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, it's just, she she does have that range, and I appreciated yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, and then you end up with Kill Bill, so yeah. Yes, exactly, and then you yeah. go there. She's <laughs> the bride. So, I mean, very, very great range, different characters. Yeah. Well, there is a, a couple of ways I could go with this next award. The Bill and Ted Take Historical Characters to a 1980s Mall Best Scene Award. Um so there, there's two that really stands out to me in this movie, but I'm going to go with the opening scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is it training? Is he just going to work? But when he's fighting through the town, you know, um, is all the random violence coming at him? And then he strolls past the nuns. <laughs> and then, you know, it goes, uh, I, I love that sets such a tone for this movie, you know, and is yep. this, it really sets it as that, you know, bond top spy, um, you know, um, really difficult, over the top, absurd uh, <laughs> situations. Yeah, the nuns were a nice touch. 
<laughs> All right. Um, you know, I, I've, I've got to go back to seed and peel on this. I love the fencing bit mm. between them and the haberdashery shop. Um, you know, I, I admit, I've got a little bit of personal stake here. I have always been fascinated by the art of fencing. Yeah. And I've always said, if I ever get an opportunity, I want to take fencing classes. In our area, that'll never happen. But uh, beyond that, I just think it was a great way to show how this duo works through their thought process. You know, it's it, it's this genteel but physical match, right? You know, we get a, later we get the academic kind of more side of things with them talking through while playing chess. Mm. So either way, it's this genteel, we're fencing, we're playing chess, you know, but you get an approach at how they approach their problem solving. And I love that scene as they're talking through while they're, while they're, you know, pairing and thrusting and, and, and do it all this kind of stuff. You know, once again, that quick wit loved it. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, Sam, you get the honor no, the pleasure oh my. of presenting the Gary Oldman Elite Actor Best Character Award. Now, now I have to admit, it, it's, it's difficult when you put Gary Oldman's name on an award to find anybody who is that great of a character. Mm -hmm. But I would be totally remiss if I did not mention Mother played by the great character actor Jim Broadbent. You know, this would not be a proper British spy movie without Broadbent in this role. You know, similar to Connery's Sir August de Winter, Mother still played for laughs, all right? But he is the perfect character actor for this role. And the bickering between mother and father, oh, it's just why he nervously smokes his cigarettes. <laughs> it's just such, it, it's such a great role. And, and, you know, mother as a character at, with Broadbent, it just works for me. Yeah. I, I, I went the exact same direction. Jim Broadbent's mother. Um, I'm not even going to attempt to pick another one on the fly here but uh, so he was he was my one and only one and you see him in so many roles he's such a chameleon you know from the mm -hmm. from uh, you know the harry potter series he's into you know he takes a turn in indiana jones uh, all of uh, i was looking at his imdb trying oh, to yeah. make a few connections for later <laughs> and he <laughs> is uh you know he's so such a range but you know one of the things that struck me sam about his character uh, that he really devoted to was he really devoted to the prop yeah. that cigarette was oh yeah constantly even when he's turned over in the snow oh yeah he's going at it <laughs> <laughs> and that just cracked me up so much he's just never stirred never shaken you know just like just like our james bond just like yeah you know m or q he's he's under control he's He's laid in the snow. Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> still smoking the cigarette. Still smoking the cigarette. You know, and uh, I love, I love that. Uh, just, it was so fun in this. You movie. know, and that's kind of a tongue in cheek jab, I think, at sixty television in general. Everybody was smoking on sixties television. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. You go back and look at old clips of anything, even your talk yeah. shows. There's ashtrays everywhere. Everyone's yeah. you know, lit now, up. Now, now we get warnings that say tobacco use. You know, on on the show. Yeah, I, I believe it can change the rating. It can. Uh, you know, yeah. yeah. Yep, hundred <laughs> percent. 
All right. Oh. Well, I feel for this next one. I need to um, change my voice a little bit. The, uh, Idris yes. Elba canceling the apocalypse. Best quote. Oh, word. yes. <laughs> Got to go to those deeper registers for that one. <laughs> well, well, I'm going with uh, with our beloved uh, um, spy, I don't know, assistant, mm-hmm. uh, undercover Alice. Oh, okay. Yeah. He says, unless we accept his demands, the weather will keep getting colder and colder until we'll all have to go to hell just to warm up. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, that just witty, quick dialogue. Loved it. And that's kind of where I'm going also. So, um, you know, we do this a lot where we talk about we're supposed to pick a lot a quote and we end up doing a uh, doing dialogue between characters. But um, mm-hmm. so, Steed, after all, according to your file, you're a psychopathic personality with schizophrenic delusions, suffering from reoccurring amnesia based on traumatic repression leading to outbursts of antisocial and violent behavior. Night to King Seven. Check. Emma Peel. Is that really what you think of me? John Steed. Well, just my type, Mrs. Pill. It's just that, you know, just doing that. It's almost like techno babble in Star Trek or in science fiction, right? When they just can rattle off that. And for, for him to be able to rattle off schizophrenic delusions, traumatic repression, outbursts of antisocial and violent behavior, it's just such a great, great quote. Yeah. Yeah, that's a ton of fun. That is a ton of fun. All right. Well, that brings us to our draft. Oh. Well, one of the over the tops in this movie, one of the great actors of our time, um, Sir Sean Connery. Oh, um, yes. We, we, we're going to take a few rounds of drafting our Sean Connery movies. So. Sam, I feel there's going to be quite a bit of sniping here, so why don't you take the first <laughs> shot? You know, this would have been really fun with all three of us because oh. the, the clawing and scratching for some of these movies <laughs> would have been great. Jamie would have been just tee-hee-heeing in, in glee yep. with this. If, if, uh, if uh, you know, the... Health wasn't so, such a question right now. This would have been such a fun one to record with all three of us in person because I could hear oh, the yeah. slapping on the table. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 100%. 100%. <laughs> all right. So if I'm leading this thing off, I, I'm not going to go with what may, might be the um, expected, especially for our generation. Okay. So I'm going to go back to Dr. No. Connery's first foray as James Bond. Still my favorite of all the Bond movies. The snipage has begun. It took <laughs> off a very high one on my list. One of my favorite turns is him as Bond. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, a movie that I absolutely adore him in and revisit constantly. Um, you know, I've never seen... A Russian sub-commander with a Scottish accent. <laughs> but his his turn is Ramirez in um, The Hunt for Red October. Or uh, Ramirez, yeah, in uh, yes. The Hunt for Red October. Uh, I think Ramirez may come up later. but uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Just maybe. <laughs> okay, round two. We're going to go Round five. two. So you've already introduced my pick. 
So I'm going to go over to Highlander, where Sean Connery plays one Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez. Another swashbuckling type of character teaching our our Highlander. So, <laughs> yep, it's a good one. Good one. Good one. Uh, it's on high on the list too. Um, well, you know, in the '90s, uh, you know, Jerry Bruckheimer brought us quite a few fun films. Mm. You, you, you had quite a few films in the in the Cage verse, the, the Nicholas Cage verse. Sean Connery had. Uh, experienced a resurgence during this time but uh, with the rock you know, where he instructs cage as you know the loser tries the winner goes home with the prom queen <laughs> oh in, in that perfect accent right yes i'm yes. not even going to attempt it no 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 <laughs> i I, I used to try that I, I i've gotten away from trying that one <laughs> that, that, that would be quite mad yes yes all right so um all right i've danced around it nobody nobody could have been indiana jones's father but sean connery so we're going with indiana jones and the last crusade dr henry jones senior the man (laughs) oh yeah junior <laughs> Most definitely, yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm lobbing you a couple of these, but uh, yeah, th- those those are all high on the list. Those are all Jamie there. will be listening, going, dude, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I love uh, a uh, a good mafia movie, good gangster Ooh. movie. Uh, Patrick Malone in The Untouchables. Oh, yes. Man, and look, think about that movie. How many people were in that movie, right? Everybody. I mean, oh my yeah. gosh. I mean, it was so great. All right. Um, it's round we, four, Sammy. We've got round two four. left. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. All right. So I'm going to um, kind of back to my comic book roots a little bit. You know, and Alan Moore did a, did a little story where he took famous characters from British literature and threw them all together at the secret society called the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen where Sean Connery played Alan Quatermain. Yes. Another adventurer. Yeah, that was a ton of fun. Didn't quite make my list. It might have been number 11, but it didn't quite make my list. Oh, which, there you go. Which I've got a couple turns as Bond on here. I don't know if that's cheating or not, but I... No, <laughs> I, it's I, not. I've got, a couple, his, I've got a couple myself. Yeah, I've got a couple <laughs> of his turns as Bond on, on my list. But I think I'm going to go with a uh, with another smooth and suave criminal. Ooh, okay. Um, entrapment. Ah, there we go. Yeah, the, the jewel thief. Yep. Yeah, at the height of Catherine Zeta Jones's popularity. So. Yes, this is true. All right, yeah, I, I I had that one on my list. All right, man, this is the toughie. This mm. is the last one. This is the last one. This is the toughie. So it's it's this. Let's see. Oh gosh. All right, I'm gonna go off the rails this time. Uh-oh. Okay, I'm gonna go with the name of the rose. Ooh. Okay, so a little bit of a murder mystery in the uh, 
in, in the cathedral type of deal with Connery playing William of Baskerville. Also a very early, maybe even the first role for a very young uh, Christian. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Ah. I dig it, I dig it. Mm. I think I'm going to go back home. With Bond, okay. I'm going to go back home. And this may not be the best Bond film, but I've always enjoyed Thunderball. Ah, Thunderball's a good I've one. always enjoyed Thunderball, yeah. Yep. Love. That was the draft of best Sean Connery movies. I don't know if it's best or favorite. Uh, how yeah. do you want to take that? He's he's had such a prolific career. You know, uh, we could do uh, we could go into quite a few. You know, first night. Uh, yeah, that was on my Dragon list. Dragon Heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, just just line the Bond films up. Oh yeah. Well, you mentioned Go- uh, Thunderball, Goldfinger. I I love Goldfinger. Yeah. All right. Well, Sam, our uh, our uh, connector is not here. Yes. But there is still a connection to be made. How in the world does Keanu Reeves connect to this quirky British spy movie? Well, you tell us, Dwayne. Well, How I'm does gonna t- I'm gonna tell How you. does Keanu connect to this? I'm going to tell you because I always ask Jamie. So, how was it connecting this week? He's like, "Oh, man, I had to go this level and that layer and this level and that layer." And I'm like, "Oh, man, I, I feel my man's pain on a whole new level." Uh, uh, having to search through an hour's worth, which I'm sure you know once once you once you learn all the stuff, but an hour's worth of IMDb digging. So here we go <laughs> for the Keanu connection. Well, you know Keanu looks great. Ray finds Uma Thurman. Heck, even Jim Broadbent, Fiona Shaw look great in this movie. <laughs> you know, there's a lot that goes into a movie. All of your production, your producers, your art directors, cinematographers, lighters, hair and makeup. And that is where we land in the makeup department. One Daniel Parker was a makeup artist on this movie. Well, he also helped Keanu look amazing as John Anderson or Neo. In The Matrix Resurrections. So, Daniel Parker in the makeup department, way down the IMDb list, is (laughs) this week's Keanu Connection. (gasps) So, about 40 minutes in, I was almost there. I was almost there. (laughs) I'm glad I was almost there. I, I was, you know... Honestly, uh, I think we got to give, you know, I keep talking about Jamie not here with us, but you got to give him props. Got to give Jamie he the does props. Every, every week. episode we do this. Yeah, every episode. That man probably knows Keanu's career better than Keanu at this point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he knows all of the stunt guys, all of the makeup guys, oh, even yeah. some caterers probably uh, yep. on there. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So, um, 
Guys, uh, I hope you've enjoyed our uh, review of uh, watching The Avengers 1998, so you don't have to. But if you choose to, <laughs> just know what you're getting into. It's, it's, it is truly a fun movie for the dialogue, the action, the acting. Just know that everything's not going to get wrapped up in a tiny little bow, and it is going to be odd. <laughs> Very <laughs> odd. But next episode, Sam, we're going to watch the holiday special. Yes! Okay, uh- not that holiday we, special. I was going to say, we've already done that holiday yeah, special. You, you can go back in our archives and check out the Star Wars 1978 holiday special. <laughs> but we are going to be joining up with uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe on Disney Plus with the Guardians of the Galaxy's oh, holiday special. That's right. Right, We're going to get in the festive spirit here at the Roundtable, Dwayne. Right? Uh, well, so, you know, as, think about as, it. Yeah, as we prepare our festivities, as we prepare to venture across the galaxy with our guardians, Sam, what are we going to do? We are Groot. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, that that was interesting. This was a very interesting movie. <laughs>